it's an honor. First Sunday uh, here in this place. Uh, now, how long have you guys been together as a church? February of last year, unannounced. So a little bit over a year. First Sunday here. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, somebody here have a Bible? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. I'd learned when I was very young, I quoted this in King James. And now there's so many different translations. Uh, Matthew 6. I want you to stand with me. Do you have that for where it can go up on the screen, Nathan? Matthew 6, 9. Hey, there it is. That's grow, yeah. Come down just a little bit further. There you go. Do you see that part where it says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven? Can you, um, can you start reading that from our Father? Stephen, why don't you come here and lead them in that? I'm going to stop you a little bit as you go on, okay? Just where it says, our Father. You see that? Yeah, where it says, pray then like this, our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hang just one minute. You have just said, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, you have asked God to hallow his name. So, could we be willing to say, Lord, here we are. And if your name is going to be hallowed, it's got to be hallowed within who? Us. And within me. So impurity and sin. Deceit. Greed. Anything contrary to your will within my life. Then I want you to remove that. Okay. Can that be true within your own life? Now I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this personally to myself. You have to think about it to your own life. But as he's, he's reading this and I'm thinking through it, I'm thinking about when I pray this, what I'm actually praying. Because we mouth these words, about 67 words or so, we mouth them with our mouth, but we never understand them in our heart. So God, if your name's going to be hallowed, I can complain about the government and the nations, but um, in my life. Begin your, can you scroll up? Then we want to go to verse 10. Go to 10. Where it goes, your kingdom come, read it, Stephen. Oh, your kingdom come. God, I want you to establish your rule in my life. I don't know what that means. But bring it in. Now, we have to be careful when we pray these kind of things. Abraham and Sarah prayed for a baby. After years of being together, God gave a baby. And God's biggest blessing to Abraham became the source of so many tears and heartache. Because when he waved goodbye to Isaac and his mom, or, or Ishmael, it broke his heart. Because that was his firstborn. And sometimes when we pray and God answers our prayer, we get a lot more than what we want. So when we pray, our, your kingdom come, and I'm saying, Lord, you accomplish your will where within my life. Can you say within your life, do you really mean whatever it takes for God to establish his rule, not your rule, not somebody else's rule, your wife, your spouse, but his? What's the next phrase say, Stephen? Your will be done. Whose Whose will? God's will. 
Whereabouts? Can I say right here in my own life? His kingdom, His rule, His will, everything that He wants to be done. Go to the next, scroll down to the next verse. Go ahead, read Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I don't know what it would take for me to accomplish Your will, for me to see Your kingdom established in my life and Your things done, but whatever it takes... For me to be obedient in doing what would be necessary to achieve your will and your kingdom within my lifetime here. Then Lord you give all those necessities in life. Read the next verse. And forgive us of our sins. Our debts. And Lord we'll make mistakes. As we also have forgiven our debtors. And Lord I can only pray that you would forgive me. And that you would give me grace to forgive those who have already misused me. Um. Read on. And lead us not into temptation. Lord, there's going to be many opportunities for failure. There's going to be many opportunities to come short. The enemy is going to be there. And we can only trust you to give us the power not to fall within his trap. Read on. Read on. deliver us from evil. Read the next. For if you've forgiven others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. All right, let's stop there for just a minute. And lead us not, because they, um, in this translation, don't go into, for thine is the kingdom of heaven and the power forever and ever. Amen. I want you to listen to what you just read. And I want you to think about it in your own life and the life of this church. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And thy kingdom come. And that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You may be seated, and I want you to really think about something in your life Can you mean that prayer within your personal life and the life of this church? It's an honor to be here today and celebrate the opening of this building, the opening of your time here together. But, you know, I would would ask you something in light of all of this. Um, Is this your vision? You see, you've worked hard to achieve this. Some of you have worked harder than others. But all of you have input, all of you have put in, all of you have worked, all of you have achieved somewhat. And, and so this is a victory and you celebrate. And you've been celebrating today and that is wonderful. And, uh, you know, I can only uh, feel in my heart gratitude to be able to come here and share with you on this first day and call these two men my friends and look at you and say, you know, Lord, here may be some guys, some women, some men, some young people that someday... I have the privilege of walking with and working with in, in the place that you've given to me to work. But here's what I don't want you. I, I don't want you to think you got here and now the job's over. You see, the, this is not the job. You've worked here to supply this place that you feel is needed for you to, con, to complete the work God has given. And this is not the work. This is a building and it's a place. And you've achieved much. And I take my hat off to you. 
God is blessed. But it's not the work. And when God establishes his kingdom, it's not this facility. It's his rule. And as you pray for his rule to be extended within your life and the lives of the people around you, into your city, into your county, into your state, into your nation, into your world, this is a small part of it. It's not over. It's only... The journey's only beginning. You're one year into it. Now you're here. But if God builds his kingdom in and impacts you here and he really does answer your prayer and you see. And again, I don't know really. And I've been on your website and I've read your vision and your mission statement. These kind of things. And they're all good. And I said amen to every one of those. Here's the thing though. In real, as you pull those out and see them into your brain, what are they because here is what I know, and as the journey goes forward, all these things change. So the work is just beginning. I'd also then encourage you not to lose the focus that it is the field. And it's not here. We're here and we have celebrated this morning. We've sung and we're sharing again this word. But you know, the work and for me, the worship extends beyond here. People want to know, you know, I, I enjoy coming here, enjoy worshiping with you, but I'm going to tell you what, there is no place where I feel more at home, where I worship my God more than what I do, than where I walk with these men last year in December. Um, as we moved among the, the people and were giving and helping, I, that is a spiritual act of worship. There's a whole work field that God's given you. Don't lose sight. This, you're coming here and celebrating. You're using this as a way of fine-tuning each other and growing and building. But, you know, the work is there among the people that Christ died for. And you have the chance to be here. So don't think here is the work and here is the end. And you come here on Sunday and you do your thing and then you're good for the rest of the week. No. Uh, you've taken a pause out of your work, and you've taken a pause out of the places God would have you, and you come in here, and now you've been able to celebrate love on each other, do these kind of things that you do, whatever those kind of things are. Now you're going back out, and you're investing yourself back into the kingdom where God's put you. And um, don't lose your creativity. Because sometimes we let now these things define us. Here's a space, we'll do this here, and we'll do this here, and the walls, and the color, and the shape, and the size begins to define who we are. And it can never do that. There's to be a creativity. See, again, it goes back, I don't know what your vision is, but I know Anista. I grew up just north of here, about eight miles, um, in a little place in the Bunnybrook four-mile community. That's where I grew up. And every Friday, I used to come down and walk Noble Street with my mother and my grandmother from time I remember when I was a little baby on Fridays. That was their day to go shopping, and we went up and down. I, you know, I've been around this place all my life. And there's been, yes, there's much change. You, you know, and I hear from these guys some of the things of what you, you want to do. But I know as you reach some of those visions, it changes because... Let's face it, you're limited. Look how many seats are just vacant around you today. So what do you do when you have four times this many people? How do you do these kind of things? Don't lose your creativity. 
And don't think that these walls and this time and these things and fall into a set pattern that you see modeled on television or that you have grown up with in the past. Keep your creativity. And there could be many things. But just remember those three as we move on this morning. As you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. You can't exempt yourself from that or this place from that. And the kingdom of God is much bigger than what our little minds can envision. And God wants to destroy all those small little visions we have and grasp his grand vision. And when that happens, we understand that this work is far beyond what these seats can occupy. And so there is going to have to be more, and there will be changes. And if God answers your prayer, there will be heartache and there will be tears, as there will be some people who will not make the journey all the way with you. As when Abraham and Lot had to separate. You ever think why the two of them had to split ways? Because God blessed. Had God not blessed, they could have always walked together in peace. What do you mean? If God had not blessed, they would all had maybe a cow or two apiece, and they could have walked and lived together. But God blessed. They had thousands of cattle apiece, so much they could not herd them together. They had to split up. God's blessings in his kingdom means that sometimes we don't always walk together. Things don't exist as they are because God doesn't see, and his betterment just isn't within these walls and our structure. So as we come today and we celebrate... Uh, you coming into this new facility, um, we'll just begin with that prayer. Hallowed be thy name within this place, within my life, within my family, within my kids, within my spouses. Your kingdom come within this place. No other rule, no other dominion, just yours here in this place, in my life, wherever I go. Your will, no other will can compete with this will. And any needs that we have, personally, or collectively to see this envision and this finish, then God, you supply those needs from day to day to day as is needed. And God would do those things. Um, so I'll be praying for you. I love the heart of these two men. We have the chance to spend a few days together, walk together, and um, it was exciting. Well, I, I'm very grateful for them, and I'm grateful they let me come and be here with you today. Um, in two weeks on June 5, my wife and I are flying out. We're headed back over. We've got people coming from Alabama, from Georgia, from New Mexico uh, during the months of June and July. Uh, she's coming back mid-June, and I'm staying on to almost mid-August as uh, these groups will be coming in and uh, working with them as we work with these guys and the, uh, the group from the church they were with. And, um, but also doing some work that, that we need to do abroad. So you remember us as we pray, as, as we go there. Also, you can uh, follow me some. These guys do on Facebook, just Jimmy Barry, uh, Instagram, JW Barry. And uh, keep track. You can see what's going on. Maybe someday you will come. These guys are talking about coming back. We would love to have you come and be with us. I want to share with you a vision that I have here. There is so much this morning. I begin to think, you know, what can we share with you whenever you think you've, you've got maybe 15, 20, 30 minutes? Uh, that's not much time to talk with you about a lot of things. But I know these men have shown you pictures. They have talked to you about some things. Uh, Steve was telling me he had already talked to some of you about extraction evangelism. A lot of these concepts. I, I, I would do, the, the gentleman, I, I forget, I think it was you that said up front about sharing a vision. I, I want to give you just a vision we have, okay? 
And I think I maybe probably shared this with them. It's found in the book of Acts. Can you find Acts 11, 19? And I want you to look at this. This is just a vision I have. I have read the Bible many, many times. I pastored 28 years, started out here in Calhoun County for about eight years in Webster Chapel in Alexandria uh, before we moved into Texas. Um, read this scripture many, many times, but about two or three years ago, it became really a hallmark of my life and a vision that we really have within uh, our organization and within our guys on the field in Uganda. And one thing I tell Dale as he goes out, and, and they were moving up country to a place called Moroto among the Karamojong just to do some follow-up with some work we have there among the people. And one thing he knows to do is share this this. This is shared so, so much because it keeps us focused on what it is we want to do. These are my heroes. And I want you to, to notice this. I, I like it, verse 19. This is Acts 11. It says, now those who were scattered after the persecution that rose over Stephen. Remember, Stephen was a man in Acts uh, chapter 6 and 7 that um, was in Jerusalem, and then he was, you know, get, he was arrested. He gave a speech, and be, at his trial, they condemned him. They took him out and killed him. And the first time we met Saul of Tarsus, who later became the Apostle Paul, is there. And uh, when they stripped him of his clothes and they stoned him to death, and then after that, there was just hell broke out on the church. They began to the persecution was tremendous. As a result of that. People begin to leave. Verse 19 says they were scattered. And uh, they traveled as far away as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews. And that was typical. They preached to those they knew, people they identified with. Go to the next screen, next verses. All right, we're going to scroll up again here in a minute. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists. These were Greeks. So they spoke to, to non-Jews. And they were preaching the Lord Jesus. Now go to the next one. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. And this has become our vision. Because in those verses, I don't read a single name. Now in the book of Acts, names I read. Peter, right? Peter, great man of God. We all know it. Paul, great man of God. Uh, John, great man of God. James, Stephen, I'll read. These guys, I don't read a single name. Nobody knows about them. I, what did they do? What was their job? How much money did they make? Were any of them pastors? I can tell you that. No. Were they ordained? Did they have Bibles? You remember, don't you? Uh-huh. Did they have books? Like Sunday school books, Bible study books, Bible way books. They had nothing. You know, there are three things in this passage that just I know when these things happen, things happen. When you have people that have been touched by God genuinely, touched by God and changed. Now, these guys, I don't know who they were. They're just refugees. They didn't have money. They didn't have jobs. They were running for their lives. And today, we don't celebrate them. 
but they're my hero. See, God is looking for people that have a relationship with him. And each one of these men knew the Lord. In Uganda, all we look for is people that have a relationship with Christ. Now, we, uh, we have ways that we go out trying to find and make that happen. But what it's going to take, I know, will be people who have come to a relationship with Christ and they've grown to become what we call stage four disciples. And they begin to run. And they run with a message. It is a message about God. It is a message of grace. It is a message of what God's done in their life. And here's what we tell them. And you cannot run with a message that has not impacted your own life. And so you run with a message. And you share that message. And the hand of God then was on them. It wasn't in their own power. It was in God's power. A bunch of no-name people. Nobody knew they existed. Now, IMFC is not a big organization. We're small. Um, we don't have a lot of notoriety. And, we don't, we, and that isn't our goal. Here's a theme. All we want to do is raise up a group of people. Um, some of them, their names, maybe these guys have mentioned to you about. The Dales, the Bennons, the Justices, the Fredericks, the Amoses. There are others like Cornelius and now Aweno in Kenya and Reuben and Robin. Or Polino from southern Sudan. And there are people that don't have any money. They don't have big houses. They don't have fancy titles. Some of them are educated. But most of them have no education. And the key is this. If we're going to reach Uganda... If we're going to reach Kenya to the east, Somalia, if we're going to reach southern Sudan, we're going to reach central Africa, we're going to reach DR Congo, we're going to reach Burundi and Rwanda and then Tanzania down in the south. It'll be them. It's not going to be rich Americans coming over, doing a two-week stay and going out trying to spread who they are and, and spread their kind of religion. That's not going to be it. It'll be when they rise up and they begin to run with a message that God has put in their heart, a message that's changed their life. So that they can look at someone and honestly say, I want to share with you a message that's changed my life. And they speak it very clearly and very honestly and very frankly because it's made a difference in their life. And it is an amazing thing. In 20... What was three years ago? 15, 14, 2013 was the first year we broke 1,000 in facilitation of baptisms. Now, we started in 2005. From 2005 to 2013, through those years, I remember in about two years, it took us about two years to get to our first hundred in one year. Then by 2013, we had baptized 1,023. I had these numbers. A church just north of here asked me, said, I want you to come. I want you to bring facts, numbers, and overheads, and all this stuff. We've had to put together things. One year later, 2014, 
We had a goal where we could maybe baptize 1,600. God blessed. We saw just over 2,200 people baptized. So I remember going over that year, and, and the guys who were asking me, Mose, what is our goals? What are our goals? I told them, I said, guys, I don't know. I mean, we are so far beyond what we planned that I don't know what they are. So this year there are no goals. No baptism goals, no giving away a Bible way book goals, none of that stuff. No goals. We're going to do one thing. We're going to f- focus on raising up men and women that fit the caliber of Acts 11, 19. What we call stage four disciples. So we, we'll see who, how many are baptized and we'll celebrate that and rejoice. But our goal is just this, we're going to raise up stage four disciples and we're all going to be one ourselves. We're going to be that and we're going to seek to raise them up. Our goal is not a number of decisions. How many people give their life to Christ? Our goal is not how many people get Bible way books. Our goal is not how many churches are started. Our goal is none of that. Our goal is one thing. It's just to go out and be a stage four disciple and try to make others who can be the same. So we did. And in 2015, last year, we baptized just over 4,200. So, 32,000 took the Who is Jesus book for the first time, read it, answered the questions, and passed it. Here is what I know. That that is just the beginning of what God can do. And, the only, and what happens is, is you ha- we have to focus on being smaller, not bigger. You have to give yourself to making a few. And my goal is to impacting a few men who can impact a few more men who will impact a few more men that would lead to impacting nations. Now, but it's something... You know, I, I tell groups this. I, I don't know. I, did I tell you? In our organization, we want to have this vision come to pass in a way that we cannot contain it. Did I tell you this? Control it. Count it. Or claim it even as ours. And here's what I've discovered. If we simply invest in people. That can happen. But things change. I know what our vision is. This is our vision. Whether we're doing manna, we give away 20,000 pounds of food every month in the slums of Kampala and helping the people. We give away another three or 4,000 pounds up in Aru among Sudanese refugees every month. We're operating in about 36, 37 prisons now across the country of Uganda. Last month, we put in a 10,000-liter water tank in Lazira prison, put it up on a tower for the prisoners, the inmates helped out. They did the construction. We provided the materials. Before that, in January, we put in 30 beds within the women's side of Cassangetti Prison. I think you guys went into there. Um, it doesn't matter. Whatever you do, 
You're simply trying to raise up a force of people who will be able to impact other people. We know what our vision is. And we are simply praying this. God, you establish your kingdom. You build it up. Whatever happens to IMFC. Now, then let it be. You see, Jesus said that unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it is alone. But if it falls into the ground and it dies, it can produce a big harvest. So I can decide if my vision is to have international missionaries for Christ exist for many, 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 many years. And that's not it. I don't know if we'll be here two years from now. Or if ten years from now we'll exist. Now we will make some plans as if we can. But here's the deal. Our goal is not to be an organization that perpetuates itself into eternity. Our goal is this, to raise up men and women who can do things, see the kingdom of God happen. If that means we bury ourselves and we die as an organization and no longer exist, so be it, it's done because then God gives the harvest. You see, when you pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You may be praying, God, if Unity Point is not to be the focus of all the future, if it's only the seed that germinates that begins to start a movement but loses its own identity and self in the process, so be it. You see, when you pray that, you have to be careful because sometimes you are praying things in your head. You think you're praying this. God is hearing this. So I want you to pray for us. You know, the guys that we work with, they've never been in, in church like most of you. They don't have Bibles, many of them like you. They're not rich. And I'm standing in a rich man's church. They're poor. They're very poor. But here's what can happen is God can take those who are unlearned and uneducated and the poor and he can start a movement that can flood through that area. And guys, we, we, we see it happening. I... Um, I get updates from the guys uh, weekly. I put a post up on the blog uh, a couple weeks ago that uh, Deo had sent me. Two years ago, down in Kampala, we reached a man doing just what we, 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 we're not sharing. His name was Michael. I'll never forget it was 12 o'clock. It was time for us to be back because the volunteers, we had told all the volunteers, they were going out, they had helped give out the amount of food, they'd been in visiting the recipients, but we have to tell them, be back at the van at 12. Now, I know that they're not going to be in there at 12, but I say 12 knowing that 
at 12.15, I'm going to start calling. Okay? So we're five minutes after 12. And Dale and I are walking rapidly now back down through the slum. And all of a sudden, we hear this voice. Hey! Come here and share with us. Remember, I looked at Dale. It's 12.05. You know, the Mzungus are going to be back. I don't want the Mzungus being alone, just, you know, standing there waiting. We, you know, but then we got to think, how can we pass him by? So we, we, we stopped. Here's, we said, okay, we'll stop. We're going to introduce ourselves. So we did. Hey, my name is Jimmy. This is Dale. We are here. We're just talking to people about a message changed our life. But we're in a hurry, right? Can we come back and share with you? Sure. What time? Four o'clock. Okay, four o'clock. We're here? Good, here. So at 4.15, 4.20, we're back. Now, African time is not like American time. Four means anywhere from 3 to 5.30, okay? <laughs> it, it does. So we don't know if he's going to be there or not going to be there. But anyway, about 4.15, 4.20, we've got all the... The, the, the team out now, they're with their translators, they're going to share. And so Dale and I, we make our way back. And there is Michael and Moses, and they are there. And we sit down in the shade of the shop that they that, uh, that they had been working in. We shared the gospel with these guys. Both of these men prayed to give their life to Christ. Uh, Moses is tall. Moses is probably 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and good-sized man, weighs 250 plus. For Ugandans, this is, this is very large. Now, Michael is more typical Ugandan. He's no more than 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, and 120 pounds at the max. And um, the bottle is in his back pocket, and he's a drunkard. Um, but a week later, he was baptized. When I went up to Hatcher Avenue, we showed the picture of Michael and Moses standing there with baptismal certificates in, in June of 2014. Um, three months later, Michael left and went back home. He had been trained. He went back to his hometown. See, you don't know anything about Michael. He's one of these unnamed guys in Acts 11. He has no money, he had no job, he did have a family, but he was back, they were back in Mbali. He goes back to Mbali and he begins to call, you need to come up here and baptize some people. So, in October, or November, uh, I'm there and Dale says, you know, Michael will not, he just keeps calling, he keeps calling, he keeps calling, he says, you got to come, he's got people. So we had a group in, and I said to them, all right, tell Michael when, they, when they're going, we're, we're going to come up and see him. We needed to go to Arua, so we thought, we'll go to Mbali, we'll swing across your gun and pick up Arua. So we went by, and sure enough, we, um, we told him we'll be there at 4. At 10 o'clock in the morning, he's got people in vans sitting waiting to be baptized. 18 of those sit from like 10 in the morning to 4.30 in the afternoon waiting on us. We baptized the 18. That night, uh, as it was getting already dusk, we went out. He, we, he wanted to say, I want you to see this group I'm leading. And there was a group, a small group there. And um, so, I, you know, it just, it, it didn't meet. I, I, we, we just knew this is not going to work. So we took him aside and said, Michael, this is good. You got a good heart. You're doing things. But 
Here's what we need you to do. We need you to focus on raising up some leaders. We're not seeing, in that culture and all, you've got to have some men leadership. you just got to have it, got to have it if you're going to do any changing of culture. Now, you, you will be able to get women, but men, you've you got to target or you don't get them. All right? If you target men, you'll find a lot of women. If you don't target men, you're still going to get a lot of women. You're just not going to get any men. So I told him, Michael, you begin, let's go. So we went out and we, we targeted a man. We, we, we found a man. We shared with a man. man gave his life to Christ. Michael, start with this man. And I remember we st- I bent over on the ground and I drew off a square and said, Michael, right here you start. This is your slum. I don't want you, because Michael's a guy, he just goes everywhere. He's always doing it. Stay in your slum. Stay here, do this. We will come back, see how you're doing. Dale will be in touch with you. And so we, we gave him just a few shillings. I, I told him, so we give you this for six months, no more. That's all we had in mind. Um, the following March, we went back and had a chance to interview several of his leaders. By that time, it already baptized close to 100. Today, out of Mbali. You see, Michael won a man named Wilson. Michael Wynn Wilson. Wilson won Samuel. Now, Samuel, he's won a lot of guys. One of them is called Nakoko. Nakoko, 77 years old. Translates for me all day long. And I love that man with all my heart. He's one of my heroes. Nakoko won Owino. Owino is Kenyan. Owino's already baptized between six and a hundred and a thousand in, in Kenyan now. Who won him? I didn't. Nakako did. Who won Nakako? See, Samuel did. Who won Samuel? Wilson did. Who won Wilson? Michael did. Now, Owino has been baptizing between 600 and 1,000. And now we're hearing from Owino. And then just see, Samuel not only won Nakoko, he won a guy named Reuben. And Reuben went back to his home in Kenya and won Robin. And now then Robin and Reuben are in... This area up in a little bit further to the north in Kenya on the western side. Owino's down here on this side. The two of them together has been working the Kenyan border. Now then they're telling us we have some men in Nairobi in one of the slums working. But that's not all. You see, Michael not only won Wilson who won Samuel, but Michael won a guy named Richard who won a guy by the name of Robert. And Robert is now in Napak. And he's baptized close to 2,000. But Robert won a guy by the name of Cornelius. And Cornelius in Moroto. That's where Deo is headed this weekend. It's Moroto. Because it's got Cornelius there. And Cornelius has won a guy by the name of Paul. And Paul is on north of him. On the Kenyan and Uganda border. And these are just some of the stories because it doesn't, I'm not even telling you the generation line to Mzungu. 
Noah Mazungu, who is in Soronko, one hour from Mbali. He is eight generations from Michael. I know that because when Mount Zion here in Alexandria was with me in February, we were there and we lined him up from Michael all the way down the line. And here was Mazungu Noah and we're doing a training in Soronko and we've got people from what would be an hour or two around Soronko there. And in Soronko, Mazungu's got about 30, but he called down from 100. And he's baptized many. And it all began with one little man on one little road in a slum that I almost walked by. That one event with Michael changed IMFC's vision and how we operate and how I teach. In Arua, we've got a team of guys up there that we've had for a longer period of time. They didn't believe in this vision. Last March, I was there. We were trying to share, but we're getting just... What the guy that's supposed to be the leader. He's only getting five books coming in this month that have completed Bible way. It tells me he's not believing in it. All the way down the line. There's a guy up there that was part-time, was turning in three times or two, ten times more than him. He almost had 50. I remember telling him at last March, I said, guys, I want you to make a decision right now. I love you. We'll always partner with you. But here's what we do. We walk with committed people. And we delete people that aren't committed. Meaning, I'm going to disciple you and train you. But if you stop being faithful and don't do what you're supposed to do, I hit the delete button. We're still friends and I love you. You're still a part of the kingdom of God. But we are not going to walk together. And I train you anymore. You get faithful. Okay? Our guys know that. They use the word to delete. You hit the delete button on the computer. What happened? Boom. Goes away. So they delete people. So I told him, I said, listen, we'll, we'll support you. We'll Bible way books. But I need to know right now. We did, we did a whole, I, after sitting down and figuring out the problem, share with them again the vision, Acts 11, like I share with you. Now then, if you want to do this, you call this man today. Uh, today they believe. I get pictures in of desks full of books. And I get Amos, who's the leader, to him, said, I've never met a person like Florina. And she has carried him to two villages outside the city to meet people that now she has won and she is discipling. And the books that are beginning to come in, the only difference is they believe. Here's what I want to share with you this morning is. Is that God can go beyond your very imagination. He can do things you cannot even conceive within your mind. The impact that you can have is not just here local. It can be global. God can begin to raise up a movement, but it's going to change you. It's going to change your church. When God answers your prayer, it's always more than what you anticipate. Can you really pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom. And your will be done. Would you bow your heads with me?
guys, here is what I know. I do not know your spiritual condition, if you're a believer or not a believer. But if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you need that's ground one. I don't care if you come to church, don't come, religious, non-religious, I don't care. If you don't know Christ, you don't know Christ, then today you can pray, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me of my sin and be the boss of my life, and he'll do that. But if you're not willing to pray from your heart and ask him to come into your life, he, he's not going to knock down the door and come in. If you're here today and you're a believer and you've come here and you thought this is really nice and I love, love this facility, we can come and sit on the nice chairs. That's good. And I'm proud you have this. But I am praying that God give you a vision that won't let you be satisfied in what you're in this morning. 